WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, October 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine, fall-like weather, but, you know, it is fall. High 62. Tonight and overnight, partly cloudy, low. 52 and then Tuesday, kind of like today, sun and clouds, high 66. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 47 and clear in uh, Westchester County, 45 and clear in Lambertville down in New Jersey. And it is 48 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock, Sid and friends in the morning. Of course, no doubt the big story over the weekend was the Hamas attack on Israel. And lots of people emailing me, reaching out to me, and I thank you so much. Uh, I have so much family that lives there. My uh, my mother and father moved there 30 years ago. My younger brother went with them. He had no choice. He was uh, about 10 at the time. He lives there. I uh, have an extended family of cousins. Thank God uh, everybody's okay. Of course, now the issue is a number of them been called up in the Army Reserves uh, to ha- take part in whatever's going to take place on the Israeli side, whether they go into Gaza. And so I wanted to get the latest on that. As Before we sort of get into the American response to this, I thought best we'll start the show and in a way that we don't usually. We're going to bring somebody in, a reporter. The um, He is the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. It's uh, JNS.org. I've been going on and off that website all weekend to get the latest on what's going on in Israel. And he's going to join us right now on our Newsmaker line. His name is Alex Strayman. Uh, good morning, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start off with, um so curious just about your own personal story. Tell me where you were on Saturday morning and, and what happened to you and your family. Well, I'll tell you where I was before, but right now I'm in Jerusalem. And as we speak, there are air raid silence going off in the city. There are air raid silence going off uh, across Israel as uh, thousands of rockets are being fired on Israeli population centers. Uh, I was in the Jerusalem suburb of Afrat. Oh, we just heard a boom overhead. Um, I was in the Jerusalem suburb of Afrat uh, celebrating the Jewish holy day of uh, Simchat Torah. It was on the, the Sabbath, a, a very holy day in the Jewish calendar. Uh, we were we had gone to the synagogue the night before. It was very joyous and festive and quiet. And in the morning, I uh, woke up, and I thought I heard air raid sirens in the distance from a, a, a neighboring town. Uh, we weren't sure if that was what it was. I was pretty certain. Uh, anyways, within uh, 10 or 15 minutes, uh, we started to hear the sirens in our town as well. Uh, so we had to get our, our kids up and uh, families up um, and, and take them in barefoot in their pajamas down into the safe rooms. Um, and it was a very surreal experience, uh, not knowing exactly uh, for those that are observant of the holiday, you know, getting sort of secondhand information uh, of what was happening in, in the past. You know, there have been many uh, rocket volleys from, from Gaza, and, and we're kind of accustomed to something that uh, no people should ever become accustomed to. Uh, but we quickly learned that uh, the situation was much, much worse with the, the border being infiltrated and um, numerous, numerous casualties and, and hostages taken uh, in southern communities. 
Okay, so tell me, you're, you're telling me that there's rocket fire above you. You're hearing explosions. Is that the Iron Dome catching those missiles? Can you tell what's going on? Yeah, presumably at the Iron Dome uh, catching them in the sky. It's it's a we have cloud cover today, so it's it, and I'm just looking uh, only to one direction through the window, so I, I couldn't see uh, the explosion. But yeah, presumably it's the Iron Dome, uh, which has uh, over 90 percent uh, success rate in, in knocking these uh, Kassam rockets uh, out of the sky. Uh, but there have been some direct hits. There was a direct hit on a, a hospital in Ashkelon. There was a direct hit on a building in, in the Israeli city of B'nai Brak. So even though you have uh, over 90% success rate uh, when you're firing thousands of rockets, and uh, we had over 5,000 rockets fired just at us in just the first 24 hours, which is the most rockets we've ever absorbed in, in a single period, uh, and it seems as though uh, it's not slowing up. And, and th- these missiles, I guess it would be hard for you to know, but the good, uh, you'd have to guess. Are they coming from Gaza or are they coming from elsewhere? No, these are coming from Gaza. Uh, the, the big fear is that uh, Hezbollah might enter the war, and if they do, uh, they're sitting on a cachet of uh, over 150,000 uh missiles. And the missiles that Hezbollah has, which are provided by, by the Iran uh, Islamic Republic, uh, are much more sophisticated than the Qassam rockets. Uh, in many cases, they're long-range. They can deliver much higher payloads, and in certain cases, even they're precision-guided, so they can hit specific targets, which is unlike the Qassams, which are basically fired in a direction and, and hoping that they hit something. So where's where's your family today if these rockets are being fired from Gaza as we speak? And by the way, should you are we keeping you from somewhere where you should be? Should you be going into the shelter, or you feel safe where you are right now? Well, uh, we're doing back-to-back-to-back interviews. Uh, I'm here at the JNS uh, Jerusalem headquarters. Um, Families at home, uh, many of the Israeli apartments and houses here, especially the newer ones, are equipped uh, with safe rooms inside the inside the apartments themselves. Uh, For for many, that's not the case. Uh, There are a lot of communal uh, rooms that, that many families have to share, and in some cases, people don't have them at all. Um, so, you know, I, fortunately, uh, our family has been safe and, uh, will continue to, to alert and inform, uh, people around the world as to what's going on here. Is school open in Jerusalem? Are people going to work or is this just, you know, everybody's at home sort of staying safe? Schools in the country are closed. Uh, you can see that, uh, the, the normal traffic and congestion on the roads here is uh is just a small fraction of what you would usually see um some commerce is is does go on and people are are leaving the house but uh, especially when kids are home parents are forced to stay home with them on the phone with alex trayman he is the ceo jerusalem bureau chief of the jewish news syndicate he's in jerusalem it's jns.org by the way if you want to check it out so alex give us the latest what is going on we hear there's still skirmishes between the hamas militants and the israeli mil- uh, military down in southern israel is that still taking place at this hour uh, the IDF says that uh, the South is secure. Uh, there may be a few rogue terrorists left, but uh, the, the border is secure. And for the most part, uh, the terrorists have been eliminated. Um, so it's it's a crazy situation in which you have one of the most secure borders in the world and one of the most surveilled uh, borders in the world that was so deeply penetrated uh, and so many 
uh, infiltrators were able to to cross into Israeli population centers and, and actually um, go on a, a killing and, and kidnapping spree for so many hours to the extent that uh, really more than 24 hours passed, even more than 36 hours passed before um, most of the, the terrorists were were neutralized or killed. Um, so hopefully the, the situation in the South is, is calmer right now. We're seeing a number, and tell me if this is the same number you have, that the death toll now is 1,100. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's varying death tolls. From the very beginning, um, we were hearing that hundreds were killed, and, and there was always the, the sense, and people were sharing that, that we were going to learn that more and more people were, were, were killed. Uh, a lot of the official reports are saying that it's 700, uh, but you know, I, I've heard numerous uh, unconfirmed reports that, it, that it's well over a thousand uh, and, and could be more than that. And in addition to that, there are thousands of, of wounded and injured, uh, many of them in, in serious condition, many of them in, in moderate condition. Um, so the, the death toll is, is likely to continue to climb on the Israeli side, even if uh, the terrorists have been neutralized. And tell us what you know about these kidnappings. We're hearing all numbers all across the board about how many may have been kidnapped and taken into Gaza. Do, is there a firm number or, or is, the Israeli, is the Israeli military even giving out a number? Well, Hamas claimed that it took 163 hostages and uh, even the Israeli government uh, has, has said that over 100 uh, kidnapped. Uh, one of the reasons why we don't exactly know how many are, are being held hostage is because we, we don't have a, a firm sense of who might be alive and who might be dead. Um, so the, the number of kidnapped and the number of live hostages may be a very different number at this point and, and that we're still not we're not certain. Uh, but this is the, the part that I think that tugs at the Israelis uh, more than anything. And it was Hamas's main goal. Uh, in any operation you know, for years has always been to try to capture uh, Israeli hostages um, because it really does tear at the hearts and the souls of the Israeli people. And um, so Israel is going to do whatever it can. You know, Israel values the lives of each one of its citizens so much. And, and Israel is such a small country that basically everybody knows uh, soldiers. The entire country has been called up to the military. So everybody has fathers and husbands and sons and, and even daughters uh, that have been called up uh, to military duty. But also all Israelis know uh, by one degree or two degrees uh, someone that was that has been killed uh, or kidnapped. Talking with uh, Alex Trayman, the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. It's JNS.org. So tell me the mood in Israel today. Uh, what are people saying? What are they talking about? Well, you know, just the, the nature of the security failure. Uh, again, you know, Israel prides itself on on its uh, surveillance capabilities, on its uh, intelligence capabilities. Israel is a country that provides intelligence, advanced intelligence on terror attacks to other countries around the world. And and uh, you know, attempts to infiltrate the Gaza border are nothing new to Israel. That's why there's so many different layers of protection around that border. And the idea that uh, Israel could have been caught so flat-footed not to know that uh, Hamas was planning this attack for as long as six months or even a year, according to some reports. Uh, but even so, even if the intelligence failed, uh, not to have seen the perpetrators coming. I mean, to a large extent, the, the, the infiltration was low-tech. I mean, there were some 
elements of high tech. There were drones that attacked uh, Israeli surveillance towers near the Gaza border. There's also uh, unconfirmed rumors, uh, reports of a potential cyber attack, which may have uh, disabled Israeli IDF communications technology right around the time of the attack. But even so, and even though it was a Jewish holiday, it was six in the morning on a Saturday, uh, and there wasn't the same type of alertness that there might have been at other times of day, even so, that uh, so many terrorists would be able to, to come across the border, uh, which was uh, basically uh, blown up with some simple explosives and some tractors. We even had uh, terrorists that came across the, the border fence on by paragliding. <laughs> this is the type of thing that uh, it's it's not really conceivable to many Israelis that, that this could have happened. Uh, so to be caught so flat-footed and then to hear the reports that the terrorists were roaming for as many as four or five hours, not only did they get across the border undetected, but they got to Israeli population centers as many as 15 miles away, uh, were shooting and killing people and then kidnapping people and then taking them back across the Gaza border without being intercepted. It's it's a major, major security uh, breach and failure, the, the likes of which we haven't really seen since the Yom Kippur War almost 50 years ago to the day in 1973. And and one last question, because I know you're crazy there in the Bureau. Uh, the blame game obviously probably has already had be, uh, begun. Uh, who are they pointing fingers at? Who are people pointing fingers at for this military failure, this uh, intelligence failure? Well, the blame is going to typically gets gets pointed far and wide. On, on the one hand, it's it, obviously the buck stops uh, with Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, but there there are chiefs of staff, there are defense ministers, but even more than that, I, I think that there's a uh, an overall disappointment in the mindset of the security establishment, which uh, you know tends to kick the can down the road uh, as often as possible on on. Issues of security, you know, always trying to put the, the jihadi genie back into the bottle uh, and, and allowing it to, to fester. Um, so uh, and, and then also the, the political establishment, which is by and large uh, bought into the idea that the more and more land concessions that are given to the Palestinians, that the peaceful things will get. But the, this proves uh, quite the opposite. Remember that Israel withdrew completely from the Gaza Strip in 2005, took all of its military out of the Strip, took uh, 21 thriving Jewish communities with 8,500 residents out of the Strip, uh, which was the first pilot you know, of uh, attempt to, to demonstrate what would happen if there was an independent uh, Palestinian entity created. And of course, as was predicted by many, the Gaza Strip immediately fell into the hands of Hamas, and Israel's been paying the price of that withdrawal now uh, for the last 18 years. And, and now we've paid the price uh, in the worst imaginable way possible. Alex Trayman is CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. Alex, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. 517, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we say good morning, happy Monday, Justin Alec. Good morning, happy Monday to you as well. Noam Layden will start in football here, obviously. The Giants fell flat 
once again in Miami against the Dolphins, losing 31-16 to to fall to 1-4 overall on the year. New York's only touchdown for the afternoon came from the defensive side of the ball when Jason Pinnock returned one of two Tua interceptions on the day for 102 yards and the pick six. Giants quarterback Daniel Jones left in the uh, fourth with a neck injury after taking a sack, making way for backup Tyrod Taylor, who entered with just over 12 minutes left in regulation. Jones had x-rays after the game and will undergo imaging tests today to determine the severity of the neck issue. In Denver, the Jets helped defensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett get some revenge over his old employer, beating the Broncos 31-21 to to move to 2-3 and overall for the season. Down five early on in the third quarter. It was Brees Hall who put on the burners for a huge 72-yard score to put New York in front. On first down, a kid to Brees Hall. Right up the middle, and there he goes. Brees Hall into Denver territory, and he's got a hole pass to the end zone. Jets in front. 72 yards. That call courtesy of CBS. Then it was Bryce Hall's 39-yard game-sealing scoop and score. Later on, that would seal the deal for the Jets, who snap a three-game skid and hand the Broncos now 1-4, and four, their third home loss of the season under new head coach Sean Payton. Week 5 action will wrap up tonight with the Green Bay Packers in Vegas to kick it off with the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Kickoff set for 8.15 p.m., and the Raiders are currently one-and-a-half-point favorites. Over now to the MLB playoffs, where the Twins and Astros are currently tied one game apiece. In the ALDS, after Minnesota's 6-2 win in Game 2 yesterday, the Orioles have dug themselves into an 0-2 hole after yesterday's 11-8 Game 2 loss to the Texas Rangers in the other ALDS. In the NL, the Diamondbacks are game up on the Dodgers as Game 2 of that NLDS is set for tonight at 9.07 p.m. Eastern Time. As for the remaining NLDS, the Phillies have a game advantage on the Braves heading into that Game 2, set for a little earlier on this evening at 6.07 p.m. Eastern Time. No! At Sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520, President Biden making it clear that Israel has the U.S. full support. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere that the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. The president speaking from the White House over the weekend had a stern warning for any group that wants to use the attacks for their own benefit. Let me say this as clearly as I can. This is not a moment for any party hostile to Israel to exploit these attacks to seek advantage. The world is watching. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says there are reports of several Americans in Israel who were killed after the Hamas surprise attacks. There's also potential that some of them were kidnapped as well. They're sorting that all out. At the same time, there are reports of missing Americans. And there again, uh, we're working to verify those reports. Right now, the focus is on, on helping Israel, making sure that it has what it needs to deal with this attack. President Biden's direction was to make sure that we're providing Israel everything it needs in this moment to deal with the uh, attacks from uh, from Hamas. A Florida-based private rescue organization deploying resources to Israel to evacuate Americans who can't get out or being held hostage. It's Project Dynamo founder, CEO Brian Stern, says the challenges in what he's calling Operation Promise Land are, well, they're pretty obvious. There's a kinetic threat from the sky that's present, which we're used to dealing with, honestly, from Ukraine. We've dealt with missiles before. There's a cyber threat. There's an assassination threat. threat. There's an absolute kidnapping threat. And Stern says he's received uh, several dozen requests for help to rescue Americans in Israel, Gaza, and the West Bank. We know of multiple American hostages that are being held by Hamas. 
Israel's ambassador to the United Nations is not hiding his emotions yesterday when giving updates on Saturday's deadly attack. What we're witnessing are war crimes, blatant barbaric war crimes, slaughtering civilians, abusing hostages, taking babies from their mothers. There are no words to describe such savagery. That's Ambassador Gilad Erdan, who provided photos and videos of Israelis being attacked by Hamas militants in a speech before the U.N. Security Council yesterday. The White House says it's too early to determine if Iran was directly involved in the attacks, but uh, they think there probably were. We have not yet seen uh, concrete indications uh, to that effect, but we're going to keep looking at it. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer says the Biden administration keeping a close watch on any role Iran or other parties do involved in this plan going forward. It is true uh, that Iran played a significant role in building up the capabilities uh, of Hamas over time. By the way, that's a big part of the reason why we have sanctioned Iran so many times under counterterrorism authorities, why we consider them a, a state sponsor of terror. The chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee speaking out says Congress can provide aid to Israel without a House speaker, but it's not an ideal situation. It wasn't my idea. To the speaker, I thought it was dangerous. You know, I, I look at the world and, and all the threats that are out there. And what kind of message are we sending to our adversaries when we can't govern, when we're dysfunctional? Congressman Michael McCall there said more than $3 billion in foreign military financing is available for President Biden to use. But McCall also stressed that a speaker needs to be elected immediately so the House can vote on additional aid for Israeli defense systems. We have to move quickly on this. Uh, We cannot uh, paralyze democracy. Bipartisan resolution condemning Hamas for what they have done to Israel. We want to get that on the floor by unanimous consent. Uh, whether or not we have a speaker in place. 524, uh, lots of Americans caught amid this terrorist attack over the weekend. Uh, Senator Cory Booker was actually in Israel at the time. He says uh, shaken after being in Israel when the attacks took place on Saturday. There was a sense of fear and worry and a knowledge to many of us that there were horrific things going on around the country at that time. Booker was actually jogging in the old city of Jerusalem when he was told by officials to return to his hotel quickly because Israel was under attack. We who believe in peace and freedom and human rights for Palestinians, for Israelis, for all humankind must reject those who use terror as their weapon. Booker, who serves on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, had plans to stay in Israel through at least Tuesday, but actually came back. And then we're hearing from local New York families who just happening to be vacationing in Israel. Uh, the Jewish holidays all are sort of bunched together at this time of year. And so if kids go to a Jewish day school or, or something like that here in New York, it's a big time to go to Israel. It's also a big time for Israelis to leave Israel these seven days or so. So this uh, couple and their three kids were in Jerusalem taking part actually in a summit promoting peace when they found themselves in the middle of the horrific violence. We really had no idea what was going on. We just heard sirens and then we saw... Uh, then we heard a loud voice, uh, a loudspeaker in Hebrew. We, none of us speak Hebrew. Uh, and then we asked people what was going on. You could hear still the bombs and the missiles hitting the rockets. Even though it wasn't right on top of us, you could hear it. No doubt a frightening experience from this for this family from New York. The Cantors say it felt the way New York City did on 9-11 as they drove from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to get a flight home. And they were able, actually, to fly out of Israel and back here to New York. I feel a lot more safe 
but I'm scared for the other people that are still in Israel. I was scared, and I just hoped that everything was going to be okay. As Americans, it's nice to be back on, on home soil, um, but we really do feel really sad and and heartbroken. heartbroken for the Israelis. Of course, we're praying for the people that are still in Israel. Yeah, okay, we're going to have a lot more coverage of the aftermath of these attacks in Israel over the weekend. As we heard from our reporter from JNS.org, it seems the skirmishes that were happening between Hamas militants and the Israeli army in the south may be over. They say the border has been secured. Um, but not a ton of information, unfortunately, coming out about those who were taken hostage. The number being thrown around, around 130 people, including kids, uh, moms and dads, senior citizens, and some members of the military. But keep it here. 77 WABC will have the latest on that. The opening bell rings this morning after stocks reverse losses Friday to end the week on a positive note. The turnaround came after markets initially fell following the release of a much stronger than expected jobs report. At the closing bell on Friday, the Dell had gained 288 points. S&P 500 rose 50. NASDAQ climbed 211 points. Investors this week will be keeping an eye out for the minutes from the Fed's September meeting. That comes down Wednesday, along with the producer price index. Initial jobless claims are due on Thursday, as is the consumer price index. And the week wraps up with data on consumer sentiment. So keep it here for that as well. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Monday, October 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine, fall-like weather. Well, it is fall. High 62 tonight and overnight, partly cloudy. Low 52, and then Tuesday, kind of the same. Sun and clouds, a little warmer. High 66 if you're walking out the door with us right now. So happy you are. It is 47 and clear in Sleepy Hollow up in Westchester County. 45 and clear in Lambertville down in New Jersey. And it is 48 and clear here in Midtown where we'll start this half hour. Taxi drivers calling on Governor Hochul to help them fight new congestion pricing fees before they begin. They gathered outside her office in Midtown yesterday, demanding an exemption from the forthcoming toll. The group, of course, concerned about a proposed $1 surcharge per trip, which would be passed on to the rider. They say that amounts to a third tax for them. Ordinary New Yorkers understand the plight of cab drivers, and they understand the unfairness and the injustice that drivers have had to endure. Now, one study shows yellow cab drivers make 12 trips into the congestion pricing zone, which is below 60th Street here in Manhattan, every day. Congestion pricing cannot fall on the backs of our working class immigrant taxi workers. The toll may produce up to $15 billion for investment within the aging MTA system. Much of the cash will go towards the MTA's 2020-2024 capital program. For example, some of the proceeds will finance four new Metro North stations for communities up in the Bronx. MTA also speeding up investment in clean bus technology. Mayor Adams 
He's back from that trip to Latin America, trying to stop the flow of migrants from the border here into New York. He took to social media anywhere he could down south, telling them, hey, don't come to New York. It's too expensive and there's no room for you. You won't get a hotel room. You'll likely be put in some sort of lodging with hundreds of other people sharing a room with them. He also says um, a border wall could slow the mass of migrants trying to get here. They must define the overall strategy. And if the wall is factored into their strategy that is going to slow and stabilize the situation, uh, then I respect their strategy. City Councilwoman Shahanan Hanif says uh, Adam's trip, she thinks, was a waste of time and that he would have done a whole lot more by being here. I see him again, you know, escaping his responsibilities from this city. Uh, he needs to stop creating confusion and chaos. More than 130,000 migrants have made their way here to New York over the last year. 535, let's go out to New Jersey. The controversial black bear hunt in northern New Jersey getting underway this morning. It'll go through October 14th. And Julie Ramos is with the New Jersey Sierra Club. She's among the animal rights activists who hate this hunt. Some of those activists out in the woods uh, letting those uh, hunters know they don't like the fact they're there. There are so many alternatives to which you can live amongst bears without having the risk of an emergency or an accident. And none of those tools are being properly used. Ramos says the state needs to focus on non-lethal methods. The New Jersey Fish and Game Council signing on the bear hunt last month to help reduce incidents of bear-human uh, interaction, which has been happening a lot lately. 536, a man being sentenced for his role in the 2021 U.S. Capitol riot. On January 6th, Shane Jenkins smashed a window of the Capitol building with a tomahawk axe and threw projectiles at police officers. Jenkins was found guilty of nine criminal counts and on Friday was sentenced to seven years in prison. The prosecution says Jenkins planned for violent insurrection long before his arrival in D.C. and his lack of remorse is extraordinary. Since the Capitol attack, more than 1,100 participants have been arrested. I'm Chris Caraggio. A Republican congressman who voted to oust Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House says former President Trump will not replace him. Appearing on ABC's This Week, Colorado Representative Ken Buck said a speaker will be selected from within the Republican conference. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana are the two frontrunners for the position. Buck said there needs to be an agreement on spending limits before he'll endorse anyone as Speaker. I'm Mark Mayfield. The congressman who led the ouster of House Speaker McCarthy once spoke adamantly against the removal of the Speaker of the House five years ago. Instead of being able to finish strong in the 115th Congress, we will shatter into a bunch of factions fighting against each other for power. We got enough of that in Washington already. That's Florida Republican Matt Gates says on uh, NBC's Meet the Press that his comments in 2018 about then-Speaker Paul Ryan involved completely different circumstances and that McCarthy's removal was necessary. WABC News time 538 scaring up audiences and theaters this weekend was the exorcist believer. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, but there are people out there who have. The latest entry in the exorcist franchise made nearly 12 million dollars in its opening day and is expected to make about 28 million over the weekend, falling short of the 35 million the studio is hoping to make. While still holding strong in its second week in theaters, likely taking second place is Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. 
is all of us. While another sequel of a long-running series, Saw 10, has gotten strong reviews from both critics and audiences and is expected to take third place. I'm Scott Carr. 539, the Powerball jackpot, now the third largest ever in history after no one won on Saturday night. It's up to $1.5 billion after no one won the top prize since a billion-dollar winning ticket was purchased in L.A. in July. A single winner would have the option of a lump-sum cash prize of more than $650 million. The next drawing will take place Monday. I'm Jim Forbes. Simone Biles is now the most decorated gymnast of all time. She has won her sixth World All-Around Gold Medal in Antwerp on Friday, the first female or male gymnast ever to reach that mark. The medal brings her world and Olympic total medals to 34. That passes Soviet Union's Larissa Latanya for the most in history. Americans are split along party lines about whether they're getting the latest COVID booster or not. While seven in 10 Democrats say they're likely to get it or already have fewer than three in 10 Republicans say they well, that's according to an Ipsos poll. 540, let's go out to Long Island where two sisters from Farmingdale using their business to raise money for the families of the victims in last month's deadly bus crash, the band crash. Lisa Goodenough and Donna Russo, who are graduates of Farmingdale High, own Good Enough Personalized Gifts. They've teamed up with the uh, Farmingdale Business Department to fundraise for the cause. When people say it's close to home, it's not. It is home. I just wanted to give back to the community and do whatever I could to help any of those families. Yeah, so the items include a exclusive decal design that was made by a Farmingdale High School student, Alessandra Gradine. I wasn't worried about the design looking good. I was worried about the design being something that would make them feel happy, being something that would bring them light in such a sad situation. And the amazing thing is, and not, not so surprising, is these sweatshirts and decals that are over keychains and all kinds of stuff are flying off the shelves and making a lot of money. Seeing everybody wearing something that represents your band, that represents that we're all here for them, I think that was most important. We can't thank the community enough for helping out. Yeah, the sister's doing a good job there. They say 100% of net proceeds will go to the families and members of the band hurt in that crash. Up to the Bronx, hundreds of people gathering yesterday to celebrate Italian heritage at the Columbus Day Parade in Morris Park. You had marching bands, cheerleaders, local businesses, FDNY, everybody out. It's a day for all Americans, Italian-Americans, to be proud about the contributions that Italian-Americans have made to this country. Brianna Richel was crowned Miss Columbus Day Parade. I've always been very in tune with my culture. It's always been a big part of my life, so I'm very excited to be here. I grew up coming to this parade. I used to go to St. Clair of Assisi, so it's always been a big part of my life. Every single year of school that I've been here. Yeah, it kind of feels like a small town celebration up in Morris Park, that Columbus Day celebration. We will do the much bigger one today here on Fifth Avenue. Join us for the Columbus Day celebration. It's all day long right here on 77 WABC, but you can join us in person. Our location, 59th and Fifth Avenue. And if you stop by at the right point, you could get a slice of pizza and a cannoli. That all starts around noon up at 59th and 5th Avenue and right here on 77 WABC. Lots of 
ethnic celebrations across the city yesterday. The Yemeni American Merchants Association hosting its third annual Yemeni Heritage Festival Day in Bay Ridge yesterday. A lot of people showing up to this. Um, singers, dancers, business owners showing up for the festivities. We wanted people to understand our culture, the way we dress, the way we uh, bring our music, the way we bring our dances. Yeah, lots of people addressing the crowd, explaining what it's like to grow up in Yemen. Uh, A famous Yemeni-American TikToker even came out to host uh, part of the festival. We are so proud as an organization that started in Brooklyn to be here today celebrating our rich culture and heritage. People, everybody's in their own dressings. Everybody's dressed the same for me. It's all just representing the country. Representing the culture. Culture. All right. Yes, cool. and, and the kids, too. Yeah, had a beautiful day for that event yesterday. What a honeymoon for a New Jersey man after he helped save a woman on his flight from Rome who was having a mid-air medical emergency. Zachary Lezev was in Italy for his honeymoon. The couple was on a United Airlines flight back to Newark when the flight attendant asked if there was any health care providers on the plane. Well, Lezev is an anesthesiology resident, so he jumped into action to help this woman whose blood pressure had dropped dangerously low. It's just one of those situations out of almost like a movie. You don't really anticipate anything like that ever happening. Get IV access on the plane, start running fluids. Um, I started pushing medications to sustain her blood pressure. It's on a plane, so you really do have limited medical supplies. Two emergency nurses nurses also happen to be on this plane as well. But Lezevs knew, uh, Lezev said he knew this woman would not make it across the Atlantic. So he told the pilot, They should turn around, and they did. They landed in Paris and likely in the process saved this woman's life. Lezev said not the way he expected to end his honeymoon, but he feels proud of what he did. We work in the the operating rooms. It's more of a controlled environment. This certainly isn't. But I will say that sometimes you can surprise yourself with what you're able to do. Yeah, nice job done there by Zachary Lezev and those two nurses who helped save that woman's life on a plane from Italy back to Newark. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Malayden. In football, the Giants fell flat once again in Miami against the Dolphins, losing 31-16. to to fall to one and four overall on the year. New York's only touchdown for the afternoon came from the defensive side. The ball when Jason Pinnock returned one of two Tua interceptions on the day for 102 yards and the pick six. Giants quarterback Daniel Jones left in the fourth with a neck injury after taking a sack, making way for backup Tyrod Taylor, who entered with just over 12 minutes left in regulation. Actually played pretty well also. Jones had x-rays after the game and will undergo imaging tests today to determine the severity of the neck issue, so we'll keep you updated on that. In Denver, the Jets helped offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett get some revenge over his old employer, beating the Broncos 31-21 to to move to 2-3 and overall for the season. Down five early on in the third quarter, it was Brees Hall who put on the burners for a huge 72-yard score to put New York in front. On first down, a kick to Brees Hall, right up the middle, and there he goes, Brees Hall into Denver territory, and he's got a hole to the end zone Jets in front 72 yards that call courtesy of CBS then it was Bryce Hall's 39 yard game ceiling scoop and score later on that would seal the deal for the Jets who snap a three game skid and hand the Broncos the Broncos now 1-4 and four 
their third home loss of the season under new head coach Sean Payton. Week 5 action will wrap up tonight with the Green Bay Packers in Vegas to kick it off with the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m., and the Raiders are currently one-and-a-half-point favorites. Over now to the MLB playoffs where the Twins and Astros are currently tied one game apiece in the ALDS after Minnesota's 6-2 win in Game 2 yesterday. The Orioles have dug themselves into an 0-2 hole after yesterday's 11-8 Game 2 loss to the Texas Rangers in the other ALDS. In the NL, the Diamondbacks are a game up on the Dodgers as Game 2 of the N- of that NLDS is set for tonight at 9.07 p.m. Eastern Time. As for the remaining NLDS, the Phillies have a game advantage on the Braves heading into that game two set for a little earlier this evening at 6.07 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you very much, Justin. All right, let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. Nothing bigger, of course, than what's going on in Israel. The Israeli government formally declaring war, giving the green light for significant military steps, as they call it, to retaliate against Hamas for its surprise attack as the military labored into today to crush fighters that were still in southern towns and intensified its bombardment of the Gaza Strip. Now, we heard from a reporter earlier, Alex Trayman, who thought all of these terrorists had been taken down, but he wasn't 100 percent sure. What we do know is the death toll in Israel is now above 1,100 with thousands wounded still. Uh, more than 40 hours after Hamas launched its incursion out of Gaza, Israeli forces were still battling with these militants holed up in several locations. Uh, the Israel said it brought in special forces to wrestle away control of four Israeli sites from Hamas fighters, including two kibbutzim that militants entered earlier in their attacks. Uh, footage released by Israeli police from one area show forces kneeling in tall grass as they exchange fire with Hamas militants across an open field. Meanwhile, Hamas and the smaller Islamic Jihad group claim to have taken captive of more than 130 people from inside Israel and brought them into Gaza, saying they would be traded for the release of thousands of Palestinians imprisoned by Israel. That announcement, though unconfirmed, is the first sign of the scope of the abductions. Now, the Israelis not saying anything definite about this, just acknowledging that there have been people kidnapped, but like we had on 9-11, some way so familiar, you'll remember when people thought their loved ones were missing and did not realize that they had been killed in the towers. They put pictures up of them trying to hoping someone would know where they were. Well, same thing is happening in Israel today. People are sharing the pictures online of loved ones they have not been able to make contact with. And the thought is those are the people who are likely have been kidnapped. So that number could go higher. But um, if we rely on Hamas for the number, they're saying 130 people have been kidnapped. The Israeli military uh, estimates a thousand Hamas fighters took part in Saturday's initial incursion. The high figure, of course, underscoring the extent of the planning by the military, uh, militant group that's ruling Gaza, uh, which launched this attack uh, on early Saturday morning, surprising Israel. The response back here in the U.S., the president speaking out at the White House over the weekend. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere that the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. The president visibly angry when he spoke of civilians who were killed. I told him the United States stands with the people of Israel in the face of these terrorist assaults. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people 
full stop. And the president had a certain warning for... The president's any- garbage. Which and, president uh, are we talking this about? This president, the one you're playing right now, is garbage. And a lot of the reason um, why this happened this weekend is because of this president and the one before him, Barack Obama. Mind you, I have made a rule for today's sitting friends in the morning show. Which rule would that be? There are no Democrats on this show today. I don't want to hear from the president. I don't want to hear from Cory Booker. I don't want to hear from any Democrat that is pledging support for Israel today because those are the same scumbags that had no problem signing the Iran deal years ago with Obama and John Kerry. All of them. All of them. So there'll be no Democrats on this show today. Republicans only. Republicans only. All right. Because those are the people that actually love Israel. And uh, Donald Trump was the best president ever for Israel. And these Democrats are full of shizzle. All of them. Every one of them. And some of them are Jewish. Chuck Schumer. Jerry Nadler. Hanging out with people like the squad. You think I want to hear from them today that they're heartbroken? They're lying pieces of garbage. All of them. There'll be no Democrats on this show. And by the way. What's that? I sent a text to John Katzmatidis last night. You were on it. Noam Layden. Yes. And I said it would be in the best interest of this station not to put any Democrats. I don't care that Kathy Hochul condemned the attacks. She's garbage. They're all garbage. All of them. They should shut their mouths today. All of them. Shut their mouths and look back at what they voted for, what they've done. Because you look at the last two Democrat administrations, Obama and Biden, and they've made all of this possible. Pallets of cash in the middle of the night to the Palestinians. There is no such thing as Palestine, folks. It doesn't exist. Obama and Biden, pallets of cash. Now, look, don't be stupid. They didn't use this $6 billion yet. I believe that's true, Iran. But because Biden has not been enforcing any of these oil sanctions, Iran has made more money in the last three years on oil than in the 20 prior. They have plenty of cash to do stuff like this. That all goes back to Biden. I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. You can play it, that's fine, on your show, but Joe Biden is a phony. He couldn't care less. Don't spill it out all on my show. Hold some for yours at 6 o'clock. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. (laughs) Really, I'm upset. I I can hear. No, I'm going to be listening at 6 o'clock to hear what you have to say. But, you know, I don't save it for your show, right? A uh, Florida-based private rescue organization deploying resources to Israel to evacuate Americans who can't get out or being held hostage. It's called Project Dynamo. The founder is Brian Stern, and he's calling this Operation Promise Land. There's a kinetic threat from the sky that's present, which we're used to dealing with, honestly, from Ukraine. We've dealt with missiles before. There's a cyber threat. There's an assassination threat. Threat. There's an absolute kidnapping threat. Stern says he's received uh, several dozen requests for help to rescue Americans in Israel. We know of multiple American hostages that are being held by Hamas. Israel's ambassador to the United Nations not hiding his emotions yesterday, giving an update on Saturday, on the deadly, or Sunday, on the deadly Hamas attack. What we are witnessing are war crimes, blatant, barbaric war crimes, slaughtering civilians, abusing hostages, taking babies from their mothers. There are no words to describe such savagery. Yeah, very emotional from the ambassador there yesterday. Senator Cory Booker says he's safe but shaken after being in Israel when Hamas attacks took place Saturday. There was a sense of fear and worry and a knowledge to many of us that 
there were horrific things going on around the country at that time. Booker uh, recalled jogging in the old city when he was told by his officials to return to his hotel quickly because Israel was under attack. We who believe in peace and freedom and human rights for Palestinians, for Israelis, for all humankind must reject those who use terror as their weapon. Lots of local families stuck in Israel trying to get back home. Some made it out. Uh, we have the Cantor family from New York. They were in just for a visit with the family to see Israel. They only ended up being there just less than 24 hours. We really had no idea what was going on. We just heard sirens and then we saw, uh, then we heard a loud voice, uh, a loudspeaker in Hebrew. We None of us speak Hebrew. Uh, and then we asked people what was going on. You could hear still the bombs and the missiles hitting the rockets. Even though it wasn't right on top of us, you could hear it. The Cantors say it felt the way New York City did it on 9-11 and as they drove from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to see if they could get a flight home and they were able to make it back to New York. I feel a lot more safe, but I'm scared for the other people that are still in Israel. I was scared and I just hope that everything was going to be okay. As Americans, it's nice to be back on, on home soil, um, but we really do feel really sad and, and heartbroken. heartbroken for the Israelis. Of course, we're praying for the people that are still in Israel. Yeah, the situation's so fluid, we can't give you definitive numbers, but there is a thought that Americans were killed in this attack, and it's possible that Americans were kidnapped by Hamas militants and taken into Gaza, but no confirmation on that as well. All right, keep it here all day long. 77 WABC will have the latest on what's going on in Israel.